0: Welcome to Cannabis Science Today. This is the podcast where we unearth the cutting-edge research on cannabis science that is typically only found in scientific journals and bring it out into the light. My name is Emily Feda and I will be your guide as we converse with neuroscientists, psychologists, biologists, and physicians to learn more about cannabis as a plant and how it can be used as medicine. We're getting towards the end of season one, and we are going to celebrate by doing a special question and answer episode. So if you have any questions that came up for you during our past episodes or any of our upcoming ones that you would like the researchers or scientists to address, please email me at emily at diagonventures.com. That's emily at d-i-a-g-o-n-v-e-n-t-u-r-e-s. Com. Also, if you've enjoyed the show and you haven't left us a review on iTunes, please do so. You can also include your question in your review, and as long as it's a five-star review, your question will make the cut. This episode is brought to you by The Farm, a locally owned Colorado marijuana shop with a passion for clean, slow-cured, potent, natural craft cannabis. Today we are featuring Dr. Paula Cubillos, who is a physician currently based in Colombia. She is the medical director of CB2 Insights and ran an integrative medical practice in Toronto for many years. She is a physician and studied medicine at the University of Rosario in Colombia, did rotations at the University of Toronto, and also received a degree in naturopathic medicine at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. In this episode, we talk about using cannabis to treat chronic pain, and Dr. Cubillos shares her personal story and how she got interested in this particular field of study. We dispel some myths around THC. This molecule, which is typically known for its psychoactive effects, definitely plays a medicinal role, especially when it comes to treating pain. We also talk about what kinds of conditions are best treated by cannabis and which conditions might be better suited to other medicines or other remedies. So it's not a one size fits all remedy and um, Dr. Kubias considers many factors when she is making cannabis recommendations for patients. So if you are suffering from chronic pain and you're wondering if cannabis is right for you, this is a great episode to get more information from an expert physician on the topic. So, you are a physician as well as a naturopathic doctor, and now you are an expert on medical cannabis. So tell me more about your path and what led you to working in this field.
1: Um, Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think everybody um, who is in this industry or in this field now has some sort of personal connection to the plant or a story that prompted them to to understand and to try to research a little bit more about, you know, what the medicinal Uh, properties of cannabis are. Uh, Mine is really, really personal. My husband, he had a really terrible accident about 10 years ago. Um, He almost, uh, you know, died. Uh, He had, you know, fractures and all these injuries all over his body uh, from practicing a high-risk sport. And um, so uh, as a result of all these injuries and all the surgeries that he needed to go through, of course, there's uh, this huge amount of pharmaceuticals that needed to, to be put in place for him to be able to control his sleep and to control uh, his pain and, you know, all these other symptoms that come with, you know, sustaining such injuries. Um, and over time, you know, when he was using the pharmaceuticals, you know, particularly the opioids, he started to realize that he was becoming, you know, he was de- beca- becoming um, dependent on them. He wasn't having such a healthy relationship with the pharmaceutical. So he thought, this is something that I have to change. So he was really aware of, um, you know, knowing when to stop and, and not necessarily how to stop it, but being in Canada uh, at the time we lived in Canada. And so he was approached by several friends who told him, you know, uh, people in Canada use cannabis for medical reasons. Why don't you give it a try? So it was more of a trial and error that he started to realize that cannabis was indeed helpful for him to be able to win off the pharmaceuticals over a long period of time and also uh, to be able to, um, to drop many of these medications. So to the point that he was able to sleep a little bit better, his mood was better, and obviously his pain was much more under control with the use of cannabis. And that's when I thought, hmm, maybe there's something to this plant that I didn't know about. Uh, coming from Colombia, um, all I learned in medical school is was that the plant, you know, could lead people to develop um, a psychosis or you know a dependence or an addiction kind of a situation. But but they didn't put it in terms that. I could really appreciate that there could be a medical benefit to it. Um, so when my husband had the accident, he had his own personal experience. I started to sort of, I had to open my mind really to say, okay, this is, this is really, um, providing him with a therapeutic effect. I'm going to learn about it and I'm going to research it. And that's how I became interested in learning about medical cannabis.
0: Yeah. So were you working as a physician in Canada at the time when your husband was going through this experience?
1: i i I was not at the time i was working in research but then i I got my certification to have an integrative practice and that's when i i got to put into uh practice what i had learned you know through my own experience of researching medical cannabis um but yeah it was after the fact and and, you know being in canada and and being in an integrative care uh, setting a lot of the patients really do come and they tell you, you know, this is what I'm doing. What do you think about this? So a lot of people, even though this was like five years ago, they were still very much aware that cannabis was a potential that they could use. We have had the, the medical cannabis stream in Canada for about 15 years. It wasn't five years ago. It wasn't anywhere what it is right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, but definitely there was, this wasn't this conscience that people had that they could use, Plant derived uh, compound to be able to treat several other symptoms uh, that they they usually have. Uh, my integrative practice in Canada uh, saw a lot of people with chronic health conditions, you know, pain type situations, anxiety, insomnia, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. and these are the things that usually you think about if you are going to explore cannabis. Um, these are could be the conditions that uh, that will be more amenable amenable for treatment with this uh, with these compounds.
0: Okay, so this was 2015, about five years
1: ago? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, So we'll get more into your integrative medicine practice that you Mm -hmm. ran, because I think that's so interesting. But first, I I know you you wrote an article that I really was drawn to, where you said, being an active member of the alternative medicine community, I hate that term, by the way, there is only one medicine, one that is proven to work and that is based on demonstrable facts. Mm
1: -hmm. So.
0: I think that's powerful. So tell me more about this struggle with cannabis, where it's often lumped into this category of alternative medicine, which can give it this negative connotation, you know, that it's not as real or not as effective as um, mainstream medicine or non-alternative medicine. So tell me about your position on this.
1: Well, I'm kind of drawing from this both, you know, currents, my naturopathic approach, and also my conventional medical training that I have uh, down here in Colombia, um, and, and and at the beginning it was a little bit difficult. I've always been very much fact based, so so for me being in a naturopathic medicine setting, I, that that uh, approach didn't fit in into my my way of looking at. Um, how rigorous I needed to be with the care that I provided my patients. So, and I think cannabis just provided that perfect opportunity for me to marry both. And I say this because, yes, uh, cannabis has been regarded as an alternative medicine, uh, kind of a therapeutic Approach for a long time, but this is because uh, people have been using kind of underground and in the shadows and not really disclosing what these things were doing for patients. But now that we're listening to those stories and and, and collecting all the evidence from those anecdotes and putting it into context with the fact that we do have an endocannabinoid system, we have studied that THC and CBD interact with the different you know components of the endocannabinoid system, and that they do have a pharmaceutical like Effect to, for people to be able to relieve some of their symptoms, you know that there have been more research, so there is an opportunity to marry both. Then I, I consider myself very science based, and and a lot of the the alternative uh, medicine um, tools uh, do not do not really apply to me because I don't feel comfortable using them. I I, I like to um, come with as much information to patients to say this is what we know and this is what we don't know. The things that I think are too hokey, I'm not going to use just because I don't think they have any validity, um, but also um, understanding that there's still so much more that we need to learn with respect to cannabis. We don't know it all. And that's why I have jumped into research now. Uh, but 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 yeah, the 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 fact that there's only one medicine in the medicine is that what has proven to have an effect. Not just from the preclinical side of things, and a lot of people in the medical cannabis space focuses on the, the, the impact that the different compounds from the plant can have on the different you know um, aspects of the endocannabinoid system or you know different um, effects that it could have on different cell lines or even preclinical models of animal studies and whatnot, to me, it's more important to translate all of that into real clinical effects so that we mm. can demonstrate, with rigorous clinical studies. And I think we're starting to see that we're starting to see what cannabis fits into this, this whole, you know, um, therapeutic uh, tools that we can have for people w- with certain medical conditions.
0: Great. Yeah. And I, I'm really curious to hear more of your thoughts on that. But first, can you tell me a little bit more about the integrative medicine practice that you ran in Toronto? And what exactly you were recommending to patients and how you were integrating cannabis recommendations into kind of this holistic health practice?
1: Uh, Well, it wasn't just a cannabis practice. As I said, I saw people for various various medical conditions. Um, The integrative medical practice just basically entails that you look at your patients from top to bottom and you try to come up with strategies that are going to help them build a solid foundation for health. Um, A lot of that includes um, a good uh, diet, good sleep, exercise, and then providing recommendations on those terms for, for people to feel better. Uh, I was co-managing some of these patients with, uh, medic- with uh, other physicians as well, with specialists. Um, so I, when I came to cannabis, it was just more about those, those the sort of uh, situations where the conventional pharmaceuticals or other approaches hadn't really been useful uh, or where people wanted to get off uh, medications. For example, in the in the case of um, chronic pain, it's very common for people to be lumped in you know, a category where they're taking, you know, two or three, four pharmaceuticals, and you don't really know what they're really doing, because everything is interacting with one another. So that's where I would see uh, the, the possibility to um, start a cannabis based therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, as I said, you know, five years ago in Canada, we didn't have the whole range of products that we have now that we can, you can pick and choose the different ratios of cannabinoids, uh, a lot of it was very much, you know, the higher THC concentrations, and, and we only had a, a access to the smoke to the dry flower. So um, it was just a matter of, you know, coaching p- people into knowing how to use it. I don't know how to roll. I don't know how to <laughs> you don't know how to um, right. prescribe a, a, a cigarette, a, a cannabis cigarette. But there, you know, people find a way to say, "This is what I'm going to get," and "This is what I'm getting." dog. so how much should I use it? How how often should I escalate my dose and that sort of thing? Um, but but yeah, that, so it was mainly in the in the more you know complicated chronic cases where I would say that you know the other pharmaceuticals have not worked or the other more conventional approaches have not worked. That's what I would try cannabis
0: hmm. So let's say I came to you now with kind of the current status of the medical cannabis market worldwide. And let's say I came to you as a patient with pain um, and, and whether that's chronic pain or acute pain. You know, I just had a surgery mm-hmm. and I'm having this kind of dull pain from the surgery, making it difficult to, to move or sleep. What would you recommend for me and how would I kind of start maybe transitioning from using opiates to using cannabis?
1: Uh, so if you were already taking opioids, uh, I would t- take a look at the, the kind of medication that you're taking and the dosage. So you would have to take a look at uh, will it, will really uh, whether the, the medicine or the conventional medicine is really having an impact. Or, you know, if you're coming to me just for cannabis, I would ask you what? Why is it that you are um, you're willing to explore with cannabis? What are your goals? It's always very important to to have a realistic conversation with people as to uh, what I think cannabis can do for them, um, mm-hmm. as with any other therapeutic approach. Um, and also, uh, then we would have to have a, a discussion as to uh, whether, you know, but you've had issues with substances in the past, it's really important to screen people very carefully. Um, in my experience, some of the patients who came requesting cannabis have already had experience with cannabis and they want to go, go back into it um, for, for medical purposes, but you, but you have to be really careful, uh, you know, choosing the type of product that is not going to put them in danger of developing, uh, you know, a dependence kind of situation. It's not very common, Mm -hmm. but for some people do justify to say, you know, I I was using cannabis heavily for a number of years and then I was having the symptoms. Now I, I stopped doing that, but then I'm back and I have back pain or whatever. Can cannabis be my first choice? And I would hesitate a bit because uh, I would like to try other things before we jump onto cannabis to see if they're beneficial and not to necessarily provide something that um, based on their history is going to be um, it might be prove uh, problematic for them to manage. Um, so, so it would be very individual. I would ask you you know for your, for your uh, history of substance use or, or alcohol or tobacco and those kinds of situations where people might find, that they're dependent on something. Um, and also I would ask you if you're going to become pregnant or if you're pregnant, um, you know, what kind of uh, social setting you are. So so that I can understand a little bit more about what, whether, you know, first of all, cannabis is is an is appropriate therapeutic approach for you. And then it would choose, you know, the type of product that that you would need, depending on whether, you know, you are very sensitive to, to, um, alcohol. For example, I find that people who are, you know, I'm a really petite woman. And and if I drink just one glass of alcohol, you know, I'm going to feel very tipsy. So going by that, I'm imagining that THC, if I'm going to recommend a high THC product is going to have a similar effect on people. So, so that we can know, uh, which dose to start if pain is what we're treating. I am very much an advocate of using THC for treating pain. I don't think at this point the science hasn't shown me that CBD is that much of a uh, an, an impactful molecule when it comes to chronic pain. So mm. I'm very much geared towards a higher THC product um, and also if, if it is acute pain, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend cannabis in that setting. I think the conventional pharmaceuticals, the anti-inflammatories are going to do a fantastic job of that. But if you, if it's something like, um, like a standing low back pain or a pain that is coming from an old uh, fracture or a little surgery, then I would consider cannabis as as first, uh, first line.
0: Okay. So it sounds like a better treatment for kind of that dull chronic pain that, doesn't go away.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Neuropathic pain yeah. or pain mm-hmm. that is coming from an no injury or um, sciatica; those kinds of situations where uh, it is chronic and long standing. The the beauty, um, the, or the I wouldn't say beauty, but the benefit of cannabis is that it not only helps you control the pain, but also helps people um, feel a bit better about coping with a pain. So that also enables them to enter into a rehabilitation program, for example, if you need to recommend physiotherapy, for mm-hmm. any condition, so it enables them to to be able to do that. And it's not just dulling the pain, but also um, helping them cope with the with the amount of pain that they're experiencing, so that they can go on to their rehab programs a little bit easier.
0: Okay, so you touched on this a bit, but let's talk about the medical uses of CBD and THC. Mm-hmm. And I think there's that stereotypical belief that the CBD molecule is the medicine, and then the TH molecule is the psychoactive one that makes you high. Uh, but you, but you said that you you know you have some evidence to suggest that yeah. THC is great. No, for I, I, hey. don't,
1: I don't share. I don't share that view at all. Um, the The most cited molecule from the plant is THC. And we have a pretty good idea as to how it interacts with this endocannabinoid system. So our own system that produces molecules that have an impact on sleep, on mood, on pain control, um, on uh, on our ability to to function on a day-to-day basis. That's why it's called a homeostatic system in the sense that it maintains balance. And we know how THC interacts with these components of the system that we have inside our bodies. Um, CBD is its a much more novel molecule. It's its only come on to be really, really strong in the past three years. And, and the focus has shifted just because it is the molecule that is known, known to not have the, the psychotropic effects. It is psychoactive, and this is a, a mischaracterization that people usually do uh, in the sense that it... It does interact with our um, central nervous system, and it does have an impact on our neurotransmitters. So mm-hmm. it does have an effect. It does have a psychoactive effect. It doesn't make you high, uh, quote unquote, but it does have an effect in the central nervous system. Um, and, and and being a much more novel molecule, it's, it's uh, something that we don't understand very well still. Um, we do know that THC has an impact on our pain pathways, and that's why... Pain is is such an important indication, chronic pain is such an important indication for for THC or for cannabis, and that's what people usually tend to seek it for that purpose. And and, uh, we also know that it could have um, an effect in reducing the amount of opioids or other pharmaceuticals that you take. Uh, We know much less about CBD, and there's some really early stage research that is starting to come on. Um, anecdotally that people, you know, reported using CBD for pain, and and they are able to wean off the pharmaceuticals. Uh, But but I would be a little bit, um, you know, I I will put that in a back burner and just consider that CHC is the more um, in terms of pain, particularly is the more um, beneficial molecule for now. Um, CBD has, I don't know, anywhere in the range from 25 to 30 actions in the endocannabinoid system. And it's just multi-targeted. We don't really know exactly how it does it uh, or how it has an effect. For example, for the um, Epidiolex studies, um, Epidiolex is a molecule that, or is a compound that has been approved by the FDA for the treatment of uh, retractory epilepsy in children. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is CBD, this is pharmaceutical grade CBD. Um, there are many other research that they they cannot really pinpoint just the one or two pharmacological actions. They know it works because they've tried it in the clinical studies and they know that it can also interact with the uh, conventional pharmaceuticals to produce better seizure control in children, but they don't really know, they cannot really tell exactly how it's working. So it's a much more complex molecule. Uh, and uh, it definitely, it seems like it's going to have a role to play in some anxiety, in some psychiatric conditions. But but for now, the, the molecule that we understand that we know better is THC. And I would urge people to to just to keep it in mind when they're seeking the, the, the pharmacological effects or the really therapeutical effects from cannabis.
0: Right. I think that's, that's such an interesting point. And I am based in Denver in Colorado, where if you walk into a dispensary, a, a lot of the products that do have thc have such high levels of thc you know some of the flowers are might have like a 30 percent thc Uh so so i think there is maybe some just some extremes happening here where that's such a high level of thc that that might be too much or that might be overwhelming for a patient who's seeking um, management for chronic pain and they want a product that they can use maybe before work or uh, before, you know, before spending time with their family, uh, and they don't necessarily want to be so inebriated. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely.
1: And you- that is, a common, that is uh-huh. a common misconception that there is that one needs to feel intoxicated to have yes, the yes. beneficial effects. And that is definitely mm-hmm. not the case. That's why uh, I say THC, but I'm not saying you're gonna go with something, you know, with a product that you just mentioned, it has to be a more balanced um, you know, two to one or three to one ratio of cannabinoids, meaning uh, you have a little bit more THC. So that gives you a lot pain relief, but mm-hmm. you still have the CBD that is going to balance off the effects of, of the THC. And you start off with a really low dose. And then until you find your way through, you know, this is a really um, um, experimental way uh, that you need to go about using cannabis and everybody's different and you need to be patient until you find the right product. Uh, but it's, it's, but it's, it's about, it's all about, you know, finding that balance because the studies have shown us that when you go beyond like the 9% THC in some products, you're going to have to start, you're going to have to start seeing some cognitive effects as well. And you don't really want to see that. Um, you're going to have to start, you're going to start to see, uh, more of the, uh, the, the non-desirable side effects mm-hmm. that what may see when people are, you know, it, it, quote unquote high. And, and that is not, that is not the point. So it's all about finding the right balance uh, for for the individual and um, understanding that it, it is a, a molecule that uh, the teaches a molecule that could have some effects. You just need to know yourself really well and, and ideally track or use tools that can help you understand where you're at so that you know how you're going to manage your own dose.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I really Now, now that I'm thinking of it, uh, I think there are very few products out there that have that moderate level of THC.
1: That's right. And that's why you need to go see a physician. Who knows? (laughs) Because because a lot of people end up self-medicating and they end up, you know, having this horrific paranoias or tachycardias. Mm -hmm. And and, and that is not the point. You need to be really well coached and well uh, guided. Through your healing process with cannabis because it is very individual uh, when you when you have experience and you know what you're doing obviously you can take a little bit more freedom and understanding and you know how these different products are going to affect you fine but when you're you're completely a, a rookie in the sense that you have never tried cannabis not even for for uh, medical purposes then you do need to be well well guided and and well supported in that sense
0: hmm yeah, I agree completely. And I think also the the government, at least here in the U.S., isn't so helpful because there's just been this demonization of the THC molecules. So um, and those are the ones that are illegal, at least in the U.S. right now. So I think that can create a lot of confusion in terms of the medicinal benefits that they can offer that we are learning about. Absolutely. So, so and let's move on, Be. Beyond the THC and CBD molecules, because we are slowly learning about other beneficial compounds found in cannabis, Um, CBG. I think there was just a study in Israel that came out that CBG can have um, beneficial impacts on cancer cells in a petri dish at this level. So just at at the research level. But what do you know about these other compounds in the plant? And do you know if any of them are particularly useful in providing healing effects for
1: patients? Um, I haven't really ventured that much into trying to apply those uh, medically or clinically. Mm -hmm. Um, I know they are looking very promising. There are some studies that have assessed THCV, for example, for diabetes. Um, They're just the one one study that was published uh, a number of years ago. Um, and, and, and yes, the other, the CBG in the assets, there's a lot of conversation around what they could actually do. Uh, but at the, but at this stage, all that science is very preliminary. And I don't think we're going to be seeing lots of like a good results, uh, that could translate into the clinical scenario very quickly with those, uh, I'm going to keep my eyes open, but for now it's, it's all about the THC and CBD for me at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And why do you think cannabis works as effective medicine? And I'm curious to kind of hear your perspective from a, as a physician, you know, with this traditional MD and then also as a naturopathic doctor. So why, why do you recommend it over other pharmaceutical drugs or over other, you know, maybe more natural herbal or or plant-based medicines?
1: Um, I recommend it because it works <laughs> okay. yeah. no, no, not, for, not for any other reason not because I have any any mystical attachment to the plant or that I think it has particular healing powers. Um, that is that is that is an angle that um, I appreciate people take and and they definitely have a more spiritual relationship with the plant. I have seen it work in patients and I have read the science and I know that there's sufficient scientific background and rationale to, to use cannabis in certain conditions. Um, and, and in terms of recommending it over other pharmaceuticals, I think it can be um, um, a therapy that can target many symptoms at the same time. Uh, when you have a patient, you know, towards the end of life and they're having insomnia and maybe a little bit of depression and they're dealing with chronic pain or things like that, and you can target many of the symptoms with cannabis with just the one molecule which is really fantastic so so you can actually save on you know your pharmaceutical quota uh with just the one product which is really good um and, and usually when people you know and i always allude to this this this, this effect the cannabis has and it's been proven you know and, and when when people take cannabis and they put it through a functional MRI and they see that it has different effects on the areas that interpret pain. I think that's really powerful. And I don't think any other pharmaceutical has been shown to do that. So it not only interacts with the systems that are sensing pain and that are transmitting the pain to the brain, but also it helps you see pain a little bit differently. Just, just put it in terms that people can understand. Um, So I think that that's really powerful. So that's why I tend to be drawn towards, um, cannabis in certain conditions, of course, um over the other pharmaceuticals. But 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 for me the proof is in the pudding. Uh, and the more it, we we put out the research and um the information for people to uh, we don't need to convince anybody. I, I guess if we invest in, in good quality research and in good science, uh it will become uh, a pharma, an accepted pharmacological approach for some conditions. Um, but, but yeah, the, the fact that it works is, is everything there is for me to, for me to consider.
0: hmm So at this stage in the game, there's so many different ways to consume cannabis, definitely in the market in the U S but also in Canada as well. So I want to talk about some of the different types of cannabis, you know, the different means of administration. So obviously you can take a topical or a transdermal treatment like a salve or a patch, um, or a balm or, um, tinctures. And then of course we have, you know, the oldest way in the book of of smoking, Mm -hmm. uh, smoking a joint or or smoking a vape. So do you have any thoughts on what conditions, what medical conditions are treated by maybe, um, some of these topical products or what conditions are best treated by, um, maybe these products that are taken internally like tinctures or, or smoking?
1: Uh, well, smoking is, is, uh, is losing its, its favoritism in terms of um, a way that people can consume cannabis medically, just because it's going to have a certain impact on your respiratory tract. You don't really want to be consuming a medicine that is going to be potentially affecting another area of your body. Um, some people find it really difficult to dose it. Uh, and, and for some people, it can have like this, this effect on the respiratory tract that it produces spasms. And it's not that's not very pleasant. It's not a very pleasant way of taking medicine. There's mm-hmm. also the complication of rolling the joints and knowing how much to put in and that kind of thing that that can require a skill. That not a lot of patients have, especially people who are new to cannabis. So that would be too much of a jump for some people to take. Um, the the vaporization of the dry herb is is something that I sometimes advocate not um, not not a lot of the times um, this would be just used for an instances of a breakthrough pain for example where people are taking you know their regular oils uh, but they're finding that the pain is not necessarily controlled towards the end of the dose or or you know at the eight-hour period that I think they're gonna experience breakthrough pain so so they could uh, resort to using uh, inhaled or vaporized dried dry herb Um as of now, I'm still a little bit wary about vaping of oils, because of, exactly. not just because of everything that has happened in the United States with all these cases, but also because we don't really know enough about what the impact is going to be on the respiratory tract. Okay. So I really, I really don't want to be dispensing something that I don't know what's going to do to people. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I don't, it doesn't look like um, the science has shown us that we should be Inhaling oils through our trachea and our bronchi, so mm. I'm still a little bit concerned about that part. But but definitely, inhalation of dry herb is something that I that I ask people to consider if they're they're finding that the the dosages of the oils are not being enough uh, to control their symptoms. And also, you know, we we have the oils. But at the same time, we don't know enough about the oils. Uh, they have not been researched enough in the context of a clinical trial that we can say that the, these are the dosages and that we know exactly what the pharmacokinetic curve is gonna be. So how much absorption there's gonna be and when the effects are gonna hit you. We have an approximation from the uh, edible cannabis studies, but we don't really, we haven't really studied that uh, much these uh, cannabis oils that we have access to now. Uh, Cannabis oils, you know, they're easier for people to take. They're much more preferable in terms of the, that it looks like a little bit more like medicine. So mm-hmm. um, people might be more open to, to using them in that sense.
0: And you um, oil, you mean like a tincture, something you would take sublingually?
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not alcohol based. They're just the oils. It's just They're just extracted, the, the cannabinoids, and they're put into a, an MCT, like a medium chain cholesterol oil. So okay. as a carrier oil, and people just use them in that sense. Okay. Um, the, the, sometimes they, they're, they're even putting capsules now. There's some of the the licensed producers in Canada that are putting these oils mm-hmm. into capsules so okay. people can find it easier to to take their dosages. Over time, they're easier to titrate as well. Uh, so for something that is chronic, that is going to be a long-standing treatment, uh, oils are my go-to. Okay. Um, I, I haven't really, like for some dermatological conditions that I have recommended, uh, like the salves, uh, and the ointments, but I don't know how much of an effect they, they have. Uh, I, I, am not aware of studies that I have really shown that a particular kind of uh, cannabis cannabis based on uh, salve or ointment has, is going to have an impact. It's very anecdotal, but I can say about the, the salves and the ointments, um, I, I don't think I've seen them work very well for pain, for example. Uh, even if it's localized pain, like joint pain, people apply sometimes the uh, the cannabis uh, salves or the ointments. I don't think they they work very well. They mm. they really don't have a reason to. It um it's it, it it's really difficult to absorb the the um. These are, these are preparations that are usually uh, based on oils as well. And for the skin to absorb all of that and to have an impact on, on pain, where it actually hurts, I don't think it's going to be that that helpful. And and I haven't seen it really acting in that way. But it could be helpful for people that have some dermatological conditions. Where you're going to see some effect. Uh, psoriasis. I personally have psoriasis and I use a cannabis salve to control uh, the itching and the scaling of the certain parts of the body that when I have psoriasis, uh, Mm -hmm. atopic dermatitis, things like that. They're very localized, like very pertaining to the skin.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so it sounds like an oil that's taken internally and potentially through the digestive tract, like a a capsule is really the easiest and your go-to for medicine.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely.
0: And does that also because, it, and you also said that it's easy to titrate. So, so that essentially means that they, they would take maybe a capsule that has five milligrams or 10 milligrams and that it would be released. Uh, would it be released kind of slowly throughout the body? How would that onset work and how long would it last? You, I mean, obviously it depends on the product, but
1: it, it depends on the product and it depends on the person, but you can, um, the way that the cannabis treatments usually start is so that you recommend people to start taking it at night. In the event that they experience something that is not pleasant and they're not you know in the middle of the day doing things and they're oh all of a sudden you get this hit of whatever um but but yeah so you start with with a really low dose it depends on the person but i'd like to start with around 2.5 milligrams of thc at mm-hmm. night and then and then assessing look at every three to four days people would text me and they would send me a message to say this is what i found this is what i'm experiencing." What do you think? Should I go higher and then start going up from there? For mm-hmm. some people, that's enough. but some people, need to continue scaling up. Uh, this is easier to do with the oils, where you have the dro- the dropper and you can measure the milligrams and you know how many milligrams per milliliter there are, so you can actually tell them exactly how to take it. That's the way that that we need to do our our cannabis, and and which is why it's very difficult to do that with the with the uh, vaporized. The herb, you can control a little bit more, but, but not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in the joints, it's even more difficult because with the joints, people can roll uh, a bigger joint or a, thinnier, a skinnier mm-hmm. joint. So it's it, they're going to get a variety of, of dosages. It's not going to be consistent. So we're trying to move away from that to a mm-hmm. uh, standardized way of administering cannabis. Mm-hmm. But yes, oils are people, you know, sometimes they taste terrible, but people can still tolerate them just because they, they know that, they're going to have, uh, it's going to have an effect and it's going to help.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So two, yeah, 2.5 milligrams of THC. I mean, that's like a quarter of an edible that you would yes. buy at a dispensary here. Yes. So it is yes. a much smaller, yeah. So I think it is that that level of THC that you're talking about is much um, smaller than is traditionally dosed, I- at least at dispensaries here in the U.S.
1: And also we're taking advantage of the fact that as the THC goes through the liver, it uh, it's metabolized into another compound that is going to have potentially a mm-hmm. stronger effect. It could have a potentially stronger psychoactive effect as well. So you need to be very careful mm-hmm. um, with, with the dosing when you're taking a, an internal oil. With the vaporized method, you do get um, a, a, a semi-sudden relief of symptoms, but the effect is going to be much shorter around, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, and then that would be it. That's why it's, it's not really advisable for people who are treating a medical condition to just experience all these, this bouts of relief, and then you have nothing, because it's going to prompt them to use uh, more frequently. And that is definitely not, not not the point of of using cannabis medicinally.
0: So and you recommend to most patients that they start at night, like how many hours before they go to sleep?
1: Around two hours before they two go to sleep. Go well, if, I, well if, if I'm using it for pain, if I'm using it for insomnia, then it's going to be about an hour before they go to sleep. About
0: an hour. And then it's that long, with that level of THC
1: um, in the product,
0: does that ever cause any issues with
1: sleeping or any interference with? I haven't seen any of that. Uh, and, you know, surprisingly, the few times that I've recommended uh, a heavier, CBD product, like a much higher ratio of CBD um, compared to THC. There have been some people that have reported, you know, they can't sleep. I don't know why. It's a paradoxical effect. And I have not really you know, been able to find exactly, uh, you know, what their sensitivities are in terms of CBD waking them up. But I've heard from other colleagues as well that they find that, that CBD could be a little bit more energizing for some people, which is something really, really strange. They, they, yeah, because the majority of the conventional thought is that, you know, CBD is going to be an anxiolytic, or, so it's going to reduce your anxiety, and therefore it's going to help you sleep. Mm-hmm. I've seen just in, in around three, four people that it uh, it can actually activate them at night, And you know, it is something that I definitely didn't want, <laughs> so oh, I needed to switch interesting. that.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Do you recommend that people use cannabis um, in conjunction with any other herbs or plant based medicine for beneficial effects?
1: No, I'm doing cannabis is just that. Mm -hmm. Because I want to I don't want anything else to interfere with it. I I want to know if it's working or if it's not working. Yeah. And and, and adding all the things to the mix. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, some people come with the pharmaceuticals, which is something that we're trying to tweak as we go along with the cannabis treatment. And that is one of their goals. Many mm-hmm. times that so they want to reduce the amount of pharmaceuticals, which is perfect. We can do, just add the cannabis and then try to see, t- try to see if we can reduce the amount of the other medicines. But with adding other herbs and other things, uh, I find it challenging because I want to I want to follow them up very strictly so that I know what kind of an effect it's having. If I start adding other things, I will not. I'm not going to know what what's doing what.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about chronic pain a lot throughout this conversation. Mm-hmm. But what what other conditions have you seen a lot of patients have success with cannabis,
1: fibromyalgia, for example, this is another pain condition that is not very well uh, served by the conventional pharmaceuticals. Sometimes mm-hmm. people are put on the antidepressants, or the gabapentinoids or that kind of thing. And they, they, they don't, they don't have um, that, that great effect. So in those cases, I've seen success that people can actually, um, their pain levels do not decrease much, but they feel much better. Um, even if I get them to go down on a pain scale point, like two or three points, but then they report that they have energy, that they can sleep better, uh, that they have, um, you know, the ability to go to work and feeling happy and whatnot. So that's something very positive. So I, again, with cannabis, we're, we're getting to all these many, you know, other symptoms that could be associated with the pain condition. Um, also uh insomnia is something that can be in the short term easily treated with cannabis, not necessarily the long term. So as I'm working with them on you know the cannabinoid dosages, I'm also working them in establishing like really good sleep hygiene patterns so that people actually learn how to sleep properly and how to have um like a good routine before bedtime and the exercise and all of that. So everything that is conducive towards better sleep. And that is not just the cannabis. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I don't I don't do uh, necessarily mental health conditions exclusively with cannabis. I think that's uh, something that could be a little bit dangerous. So I, if somebody is reporting that they want to treat just anxiety or depression with cannabis, I start, you know, questioning why and I start to steer, I steer them away from using cannabis just for that purpose just because okay. I don't want them to be uh, falling into a pattern of, of misuse, which can sometimes happen when people have these underlying um, mental health conditions. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's really tricky in that area. And surprisingly, those two conditions are among the top reasons people use, start using cannabis for. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite concerned about what the research is showing us, that there's a lot of, you know, as more states and as more jurisdictions come on board with with uh, liberalizing cannabis laws people are starting to jump uh, immediately onto using cannabis for depression and anxiety
0: mm-hmm. so th-
1: we, there, there's a great area there that we need to we need to tease out and 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 i would you know Caution, or I would urge anybody who is going to listen to the podcast, if they're they're seeking cannabis for any mental health conditions, to speak to somebody they trust. You know, a healthcare professional they trust about this, so that they can get the proper guidance. Because it's um, it could be a slippery slope. Yeah. Uh, when you start As using cannabis for for these reasons,
0: and is your concern mostly on dependency? Yes, it is
1: on dependency. And it can actually, uh, in some cases, it could um, uh, worsen the conditions that they have, you know, they they might see that they they might not develop a dependency themselves, but also, they could see that um, their depression worsens, or that the anxiety is not necessarily managed with with cannabis. And then as you if you don't see the effect, you might start to consume more. And then develop you may develop an unhealthy pattern with of use uh, of cannabis and so that which is why it's really important that people get the support and the guidance that they need and they don't go about treating things on their own it's um, as, as you would with any other pharmaceutical right you wouldn't start taking an antidepressant on your own you need the guidance of your physician and then it should be the same with with cannabis
0: yeah and you mentioned something at the beginning of our conversation too along the lines of dependency and and so if you see a patient who comes from who has a background of maybe dependency on uh, opiates or on alcohol, you, you tend to steer, help them steer clear of cannabis as well? Is did I hear you correctly did you?
1: Uh, I would be very careful and I would start to consider other options for them mm-hmm. uh, and if cannabis is something that uh, you know that I think you know weighing the pros and cons of using cannabis with this person I would I would try to use a heavier CBD product as opposed to a higher THC product so this would be a situation where I would prefer um, the other molecule that I don't know much about yeah <laughs> and, uh, so just the, so, so we can be a on the safe side and then distract to start sort of taking it from there and and, and assessing very carefully, very rigorously, what the effects are so that we make sure that the person is deriving a pharmaceutical benefit, like a real true benefit. Mm -hmm. And they're not experiencing side effects that could be problematic.
0: Okay, so is there research that indicates that CBD is like would cause less dependency? than the THC molecule?
1: C- CBD is not known to cause dependency at all. And um, okay. so, but but, the, but then again, because um, I I don't know what it can do. Like if I have somebody who's coming in with chronic pain and they want to use cannabis, but they have a history of alcohol dependency, um, I, I would, for chronic pain, I would go f- automatically for something higher THC, but in that individual, I would mm-hmm. try to, to target their symptoms with something that has a little bit more CBD than the usual, even though I might not expect, um, a, a quicker, uh, a pain relief result because it has high, a higher CBD uh, content, but then this would be a situation where I would say I would had to sort of see the, the risks and benefits of using mm-hmm. what kind of product with that individual.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like a very individualized uh, treatment plan. And it really absolutely. just depends on what someone comes to you with and, and what their background is and what their medical history is. So absolutely, yeah, So it sounds like there isn't, right? So there isn't one size fits all um, when we're talking about any of these conditions or, or any of these ways of taking cannabis. Um, so to wrap up here, I would love to hear more about your current position um, as a medical director at CB2 Insights and, and what your work there is focused on.
1: Absolutely. So we are a company that offers uh, offers software and um, clinical research solutions to licensed producers. Right now we're operating in in Canada, in the United States, in the UK and here in Colombia. And we basically help the licensed producers run the studies they need to run to be able to validate the different claims they have on their products. So, uh, we're offering our uh, contract research organizations, our CRO services, but also we're helping, um, we have this big, big, massive project running out of the UK, where we have established a registry for 20,000 patients that are going to be using medical cannabis for seven uh, medical conditions. And um, so we're going to be following them into the future for about two years to see what kind of an impact cannabis has in their lives and in their, in their control of their symptoms, whether it has uh, any side effects so that the um, the English government can see, okay, so we have this huge body of evidence Are we're going to start considering this, um, you know, medical cannabis as a, as a valuable pharmaceutical or uh, therapeutic tool for patients here in the UK or not. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, to gather um, real world evidence and real world data. Uh, at the same time, we're planning, you know, clinical studies for some uh, licensed producers and we're trying to establish Education channels, and it's everything that has to do with research and, and research support services that we can provide here and um, and well, everywhere around the world, really, for the licensed producers that are interested in validating their products. Wow, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. And it the is. first
0: of its kind, too. So, what yeah. conditions do these patients have that
1: you'll be? So, so they have um, chronic pain, of course, they have epilepsy, they have post traumatic stress disorder. They have anxiety, they have, um, also they have uh, addictions, which is something that is uh, very avant-garde, I have to say, that Mm. they're going to find psychiatrists that are willing to treat addictions to other substances with medical cannabis. And I'm assuming they're going to be going more for the higher CBD products in that that sense. So, so yeah, it's just basically... um, we're going to be following up those who would come to a clinic seeking cannabis uh, as a um, as a therapy and just to say, we're going to put you into the registry, we're going to follow you up for for two years and we're going to collect some really strict and really uh, a lot of data on you so that we can report it back to the government and say, this is what's going on with you. cool
0: that's so interesting. Mm, so- it is. Yeah. So um, as a final question, what would you what do you most want to learn about cannabis in your research work moving forward? What is what are those big questions that are lingering for you?
1: Um, Interactions with other medicines. And that is a really great area. And that is something that every time that I speak to a um, skeptical clinician, Especially in the area of oncology, they don't the, the oncologists don't really want any, any other compound to interfere with the effect that the chemotherapy or the radiotherapy is going to have on the, 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 the cancer that the person has. So understanding more about interactions that would be something that I would really, like to see more of in terms of, you know, what we need to focus on in the future and just collecting all these, you know, real world evidence that people are reporting. You know, we have a lot of reports online and people talk about the benefits that they see with cannabis, but if we find a way to uh, collect this information a little bit more standardized... And in a more uh, using the validated tools that we have do you know the different scales that are used in the clinical research scenarios to see if people if people are experiencing a true benefit according to all these scales that we have created for the particular condition that would be something really really good as well um, to start drawing in from all that experience that people have and to, to uh, be able to generate like more firm conclusions as to what cannabis can or cannot do
0: hmm Cool. Well, that sounds so interesting. And I will have to check back in with you in two years. when. Yes, yes, for I'll
1: sure. Sure. For you'll
0: sure. Have a lot of good data to report back. Yes, for sure. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Paula. And yeah. yeah, really excited to, to get this out to the listeners. So okay, thank, you.
1: thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you for inviting me on.
0: Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It will help other people find us. Cannabis Science Today is so generously supported by the Agricultural Genomics Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to educating the public on scientific research findings on cannabis. If you're interested in donating to this cause or sponsoring an episode of this podcast where we research a scientific research question or theme of your choice, please contact us through agriculturalgenomics.org.